Hello, world. Yeah, that's right. In this episode of Board Game Impact, we're actually getting back to some in some in-person gaming with a whole lot more coming soon. So stay tuned to listen to this episode and hear about all the great games we are playing lately. Welcome to another episode of Board Game Impact. As always, I am Bruce and I'm joined by... This is Josh. And that's right. We've been getting some even more gaming and even me who hasn't like left the house in a year. Um, so if you're new to Board Game Impact, uh, Josh and I both work full time in education, um, higher education. And so we apply those game, those lenses to the gaming experiences that we're having for the benefit of you and your game group. So if that sounds like cool and fun, please subscribe and tell your friends about it. Um, but if you've been listening to us for a while, welcome back. And so, Josh, I'm pretty excited about the stuff we are going to be talking about today. Um, and before we get into that, I have just kind of a news topic to talk about, if that's okay with you. Uh, no, Bruce, you cannot <laughs> talk about the news on this show. No, no news. <laughs> no news. Uh, <laughs> um, well, too bad, because I have all the audio <laughs> equipment here. Ha, ha, ha. Um, Today on BoardGameGeek.com, so if you are listening to this, I guarantee you have an account on BGG. Um, On BGG, just launched today is the nomination process for like game the different games of the year, um, as well as some other categories. I just wanted to run you through because there are actually some pretty cool categories. I've made some changes, and so all you do is you go on there, you nominate, um, and then you can vote on the ones that if there's enough nominations, they're going to put those forward um, for people to vote on as the thing of the year. Josh, have you participated in this in the past? I usually have not, though, (laughs) just before we got on to record, uh, I was going through and and filling out my my nominations at the moment. (laughs) Well, it helps I put it in the show notes. Um, But it's pretty cool because it's all crowdsourced. Now, granted, there is some sort of sometimes like a recency bias and different things. So they're really they've been working over the years to kind of make it better. But I want to just run through the categories real fast. And so if you have played some cool things this year, like I recommend you go and do this and give them credit where credit is due. But also, this list that you can select from is only the things that came out in 2020. And oh my God, <laughs> I knew things came out, but it's been, it was, it's been a year. It's, it's been a weird year, and the list is incredible. Um, so I encourage you, if anything, just to go look at that list. It's all in one place, which is really cool. Um, so let me run through these categories real fast. So in the past, they used to have like family category or strategy. They got rid of that. Um, so now there is light game of the year, medium game of the year, and heavy game of the year. So those are like the the ones. Um, Josh, what do you think about that change? I, I love that change. I think it's fantastic. I think it it really does a good job of uh, really kind of giving more direction i think i think for for a lot of folks in hobby board gaming i I think most people would hear family game and their brain is going to jump to light games right Mm -hmm. um but how you define family game may be different for different people uh and so i i like that change to light games instead of family same thing with like strategy and heavy games right I, Mm -hmm. i think that you oftentimes will get this 
it just kind of gets confusing. And that's how you end up with things like wingspan winning family game, game of the year and strategy game of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's complete like one, this gives greater variability, greater chance for different games to receive that, that recognition that I think is well-deserved, especially looking over 2020, man, you are right. 2020 <laughs> was a, a heck of a year um just recalling some of these yeah just remembering some of these games that i was like oh i played that a year ago and completely forgot um on mars completely forgot on mars came out in 2020 i was it feels like way longer yeah it came out like the very tail end so they consider it 2020 yeah Uh, yeah and so something that's kind of cool with this like um the light medium and then heavy is like depending on your paradigm and the, the game number of games you've played, if, some games might be a lot easier for you or a lot harder, right? Like for the perception of difficulty. Um, and so with that, it's kind of cool when you move a game into one of those categories, if it is, let's say a real, like a three on the five point scale for the weight of the game, it asks you like, are you sure you want to put this in the light category? But you still can, because it's not about the weight, but they just want to also check that. Um, just so that way we all kind of have that reminder of like what might be light to you might not be light to everybody. But if you really consider it a light game, you can do that. Um, so it's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I really like the change. I'm curious how it's going to go. Yeah, yeah. I, again, hopefully it, it resolves some of those issues that we've seen the past couple of years of one or two games really dominating yep. in areas that people don't think they belong. Yeah, I, I would agree. I actually I, I went to go to assign my nomination for medium game of the year. I went to actually originally assign it to heavy and they're like, are you sure this is rated pretty light uh, or, uh-huh. or on the lighter like on a on a lighter scale uh, and so i was like okay yeah i i think that's fair i think there are probably better games out there this year for that heavy category than than what i was initially thinking mm-hmm. so I, I yeah i like that change a lot yeah, and so we'll definitely report out on how this goes and, and what, what they report out uh, once we do the voting and stuff And because I don't want to skew any submissions, really. Uh, but I don't want to just run through the other categories real fast. So best two-player game, best artwork slash presentation, uh, best card game, best cooperative game, best thematic game, best war game, most innovative uh, best expansion, best print and play. There are some rules with that one, like you can't be like a pre-production and then it came out this year. Um, best solo game. This is a brand new one. And I guess it's becoming a word. Best zoomable game. Which- yeah, they actually said that the, that was the replacement this year for best party game, which I found interesting. Um, I, I wonder if they will keep that around for the future and then open it up for party games as well but yeah i i I think it's a nice little twist there on um on some of those kind of the the idea of a party game yeah me too um especially because that's like that's the main social interaction um with larger groups i've been able to have um best board game app slash video game so if you want to know of what 
board game adaptions came out on like Steam and stuff. That's a concise list for you. And then finally, best podcast. Um, and so if you're listening to this, you probably also listen to other board game related podcasts. And we just encourage you to, if you're listening to shows and you enjoy them, just to go on and nominate because even just getting nominated is like a huge deal. Um, so yeah, so go in there, vote for your favorite games that you've enjoyed over the last year or things that have brought joy. Um, maybe just in the artwork or the innovation or you've done a lot of research on it and you believe it fits into a category really well and you just haven't gotten to play it yourself yet but you're looking forward to, I encourage you to vote for it. Um, Josh, any other words on that? No, absolutely. I, I really, uh, like I said, I, I really hope that this kind of turns around a little bit. There's been a lot of um, negativity around this award for the last couple of years. And so, um Yeah. Take a look at it. I think this will be, it, it, if nothing else, it's it's a fun way to just kind of look back and remember all of the great games that you heard about or played or, um, you know, maybe got online and checked out for, for a little bit um, that came out in 2020. Mm-hmm. So speaking of things coming out in 2020, um, I am actually now evolving out of everything from 2020. Um, So thankfully um, this week marks my personal, like I'm fully vaccinated all the things. And luckily my friend group here is, and their families are all getting and are at fully full vaccination. So what's really nice, everybody is you're going to get to hear a whole lot more about larger game groups and different gaming experiences besides just me with my wife or online. Um, I know Josh, you've been able to do this a little longer, because of where you're at, but it's really exciting here um, that this is happening. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm thrilled. A, it means that my, uh, likewise, my, my friends and my gaming group are, are starting to get the vaccination. And so more people are more comfortable um, coming out. And so, whereas I had really kind of tried to limit myself to three other uh households mm-hmm. that I really interacted with uh now kind of been able to expand that a little bit. Um so I've only got my first dose of the vaccination so still kind of wearing masks and doing some of those types of things um as I await my second dose and then finally being fully vaccinated. Um but a lot of other folks in the group have been fully vaccinated and so we're able to get um we're still not gathering in big groups. We're still still splitting our game nights into different houses um but seeing seeing some people that i hadn't seen in over a year which is really nice yeah so do get excited about all those changes y'all just want to prepare you for that um if you've gotten used to certain conversations they're going to get even better um in upcoming episodes so definitely want to stay tuned and so josh i messaged you of like what what do we want to talk about for this one and uh coming off of that last one which was so much fun and we actually did receive some really cool feedback um from some shout out from some teachers that I'm in some circles with of like, heck yeah, y'all talk Bloom's taxonomy in the last <laughs> episode on teaching games. But Josh, you said that we should get back into like, okay, what have we been playing for a while? Like for the last little bit, cause it's been like a little bit. So, yeah. um, this was your idea. So how about you kick us off? Absolutely. Uh, so I'll start with, uh, the most recent game first. Uh, last night, I had a chance to play a game I've been dying to get to the table for a couple months now, and that is Lost Ruins of Arnak uh, by Czech Games uh, Entertainment. 
so for folks who are not familiar with Lost Ruins of Arnak, this is kind of gets a lot of comparison to Dune Imperium, which we did a yep. deep dive on a few episodes back. Uh, and I would say unjustly so. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I understand the comparison. They came out roughly the same time. Both are deck building worker placement games. But that is where the comparison ends. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Just mechanics. Um, so in Lost Runes of Arnak, you play as uh, archaeologists who are exploring a uh, previously undiscovered island. Uh, and uh, you have various action spaces on the board uh, in three different tiers. The first tier are your basic, basic actions that are available on the beaches of this island and you can send your workers there to take actions to gain resources. Um, you can then use those resources once you have them to explore further into the island and you spend a number of explore tokens, uh, three for the first tier and six for the second tier. And you go and you explore uh, one of the locations and you will pull a tile off of a deck uh, which will give you some new action and you immediately gain the benefit once you explore it. However, there are monsters awaiting you on this island and every time you go to explore a new location, uh, a monster is spawned on that location that will have some way that you need to um, deal with it. Uh, it could be spending money. It could be spending spearheads, um, various different resources and way combinations of resources that you might need to uh, take care of this monster, kill it, get rid of it. Um, however, if you do not kill the monster, not all is lost. You will just at the end of the round when you pass, you will receive a fear and fear is a card type that gets put into your deck that has no ability. Uh, it can be used to take a basic action, um, so one of the beach actions. But beyond that, it has no benefit and is actually worth negative one points at the end of the game um, if it is still in your deck. And there are ways that you can purge cards from your deck. Um, there are... Uh, a couple of different ways that you're building out your deck and and those are either by gaining artifacts or by gaining items um, and there's this really cool interesting mechanic that I'm in love with that at the start of the game the market consists of one artifact and five items okay each round you move your little round marker down this track and what it does is it eliminates the items and increases the artifacts that are available. Uh -oh. So early game, you can, you're buying some of these items that will help you take actions. Later in the game, those are less common, while the artifacts that are really difficult to get early game become much more available um, later in the game, which I thought was a really cool little yeah, mechanic. Cool. Like a little um, tug and pull. Yeah, uh, especially because early game, you are really spending most of your, uh, you get 
items by spending money. You get artifacts by spending exploration. Hmm. Uh, early game, you are generally wanting to spend more of your exploration on exploring the island. And so I, I like that the sh- focus kind of shifts as you kind of fill up all those spaces out on the board. Mm-hmm. You now have a use for all of that exploration that you've been gaining throughout the game Hmm. um, that you've been building an engine around uh, as you move out into gaining some of these explorations. There's Hmm. also this other really cool, important track that you're moving up on the side um, that, that is really important for scoring points, but it also, um, it, it really drives your point scoring that's really the main main way that you're going to be scoring most of your points beyond just deck building most cards will have some some value but this is also a game where you want to keep your deck pretty small Mm -hmm. so uh you are able to use all of your cards there's not unlike in dune where there's a lot of drawing cards Mm -hmm. um, or a lot of options to draw cards at least in the game that we played, I didn't see a lot of opportunity for drawing new cards, hmm. which meant you really only had five cards each round to play with. Um, maybe a couple more, but very seldomly were you getting more than seven cards to play in a single round. Um, so I absolutely adored this game. Um fantastic design i really really enjoyed it i think it's a coin flip for me whether i like this or dune more but like i said i would happily have both of these in my uh in my collection i think they scratch different itches sure um dune is a great little thematic game that i really enjoy this has less theme um now it does feel like you're doing what you're doing, right? You are exploring this this island, and, and the, there's definitely that theming that is there, but it's not quite as intense as, as Dune is, and this is, I think, a lot more um, optimizing your actions and utilizing your resources. Um, there, there's a lot of really good resource management to this cool. that I really look forward to trying out more. What player count were you able to do that at? Uh, we got that to the table with four players. Okay, cool. Um, so it was actually, we we tacked it on to the end of our 10 by 5 <laughs> game night. Um, we were still all itching to play some more games, so we just pulled that one out. Um, so it's not to, in the 10 by 5 it's just a, a bonus. It's just a bonus game. Okay, cool. Well, I know it just got added to Board Game Arena as a beta. Um, and so I'm definitely going to be trying it out here soon, but also gaming again in person, I might get to play it in person. So I look forward to it based on what you said. Thanks. Absolutely. Fantastic game. Yeah. And I can't wait to try it out. I've heard so many good things. Um, so I have a game in my collection. Um, that's not going to be in my collection too much longer. It's weird to say that, but it's going to make sense here in a second. And that's because I've been playing the most recent game I've played um, I played two player and it was uh, the first scenario well, intro and then the first scenario or t- like, uh, the tutorial and like the first thing of unlock star uh, star Wars edition by space cowboy. So if you're not familiar with the unlock series, Josh, have you played any of these? 
I have not. Okay. I um I've played some of the other like the exit and stuff like that. Exit games and stuff, okay. but never never tried an unlock. So un- unlock games as well as like the exit ones and things like that. They're essentially escape rooms in a box. Um like that type of experience. The difference between unlock and like exit, exit usually there's some sort of like dial and stuff or um maybe having to cut or destroy things. Unlock is you play it, you use an app on your phone or device, and then like I can just hand it to another friend and they can go have the experience too. Um, and so the Star Wars one is was like 30 bucks and it's three different escape room experiences, like experiences, plus a tutorial. So you don't have to spoil the escape room thing to learn the rules, um, which I thought was cool. It was a small little thing. But how it works is you download the app. There's a special Star Wars one for it. And yes, it does have like Star Wars music licensed that's playing which is really cool, and it's thematic to the scenario. Um, And how Unlock works is you have a deck of cards, numbered all sorts of things, not in a particular order. It's important that you don't, like, mix them up, but, like, don't try and search through and fix it. Um, But what happens is you always start one card at a time, and you open, flip the first one, and, like, so the tutorial is it's a picture of a room, and there's three different numbers, and those numbers correlate to a card a card in the deck and so you go through find the matching card that has that number big in the middle um, or otherwise it's not always numbers and you'll take that out of the deck and that you have that thing and so like in the tutorial one of the things is oh you found a crate Um, and then later you might find in the tutorial a a sonic screwdriver I know that's more like Doctor Who but you get the idea Um, but what's interesting is each of those cards have a number and so one might have a red little like puzzle piece and one might have a blue and you can combine a red with a blue and see whatever that number adds up to. So let's say it's 11 and 20. You'd add that together. 31. Look if card 31 is in the deck. And if so, you might have just opened the crate using the tool. Right. And so it's kind of cool of like you're trying to put the pieces together. And then there's two other types of things. Uh, One is a like a combination lock type thing. And in the app, you click that you're using a combination lock. You put in and you try and put in the code and then something might happen. Um, Or there's one other one that's more of like a puzzle. And I don't want to spoil things, uh, but sometimes it might use features of your device. May it be a camera. May it be the touchscreen. May it be the mic um, or even audio. I don't want to spoil things of like what, which ones happened, but it might use the thing in the the device that you, that they know you're using um, to enhance the experience. And so each of the scenarios is designed to be an hour and it has a countdown timer that's going. And if you mess something up, um, and if like, let's say I put those two pieces together and that didn't go together, let's say I tried to use a blaster on the crate and the bounced off and hit me, right? Um, it might say hit the penalty button and you just lost two minutes of time off of your hour. Um, and so it was nice sitting down and just playing for, we know we're not playing for more than an hour guaranteed, but also like being invested in like the act of discovery and feeling of Star Wars. It was really cool. So that first scenario we did, it was besides the tutorial, it was um, it took place on Hoth 
And so this isn't a spoiler because it's the first card. You're riding a Tauntaun. Um, and that was cool. Um, but again, that's not a spoiler because it's literally the first card. You don't know why you're riding a Tauntaun and stuff. You'll fi- find all that out. Um, but it was cool. Well, Josh, what do you think about this? So I have a couple of questions here. Yeah, Bruce, please. Because it sounds really interesting. My first question is um, just comparing this to other games of this ilk right so comparing this to an exit sure uh or even taking it a step farther and i don't know if you've have you played any of like the detective games at all um that that require some app integration and stuff not really um Mm -hmm. not really and i haven't gotten that chance Sure. So, so well, I guess the we'll, exit we'll ones, it, yes, but not the detective ones. Just yeah. to be clear, keeping it focused on the exit. Yeah. Uh, kind of apples to apples. How would you? How would you compare them? Um, I would, in my personal experience, I would go with this because it is much more user friendly, hmm. and the fact that I could play it and then give it to another couple. And they can have an experience just like I could do with a board game versus a consumable experience. This just is a little bit more enticing to me personally. Sure. I think I can understand that. So now having played the Star Wars, will you be going back and playing some of their more traditional uh, escape room themed games? Sure. And so full transparency, this was the first set of unlock that I've ever done. Um, Mm -hmm. But seeing the elation and an engagement of my wife um, and seeing her like this is one of the most invested I've seen her in a game experience ever. I instantly was texting a buddy of like, we just played this. It was awesome. Do you want to borrow it next? And they're like, yeah, actually, I have this other set of three that we've never opened. How about we play through this and we'll swap? So I already know that I've got five more unlocks that I'm going to be doing. That's awesome. That's <laughs> yeah, awesome. I'm real excited. I, I mean, this definitely sounds great. I, I've talked, I, I believe I've mentioned a couple times on this show. I actually, I used exit games in, whenever I um, oversaw residence halls uh, for a period of time professionally. I used exit games as team builders um, because I could take my entire team to uh, of of students who I supervised mm-hmm. um, to an escape room for twenty dollars versus twenty dollars per person, right? Um, and, and that just fit within my budget really well. So I I love this concept of escape room in a box. I think they're fantastic. Um, it, it's something that my wife and I probably would enjoy. We just have a tendency to play a lot more two player games. And I don't mm-hmm. really think about these types of games all that often. So honestly, definitely did something I. that I'd love. Yeah. And uh, honestly, I can't wait to do it more. Um, we've never had this kind of experience either. And it was a nice and welcomed feeling. Um, so for 10 bucks, uh, an escape room for the two of us total, I'll take it. Um, Absolutely. So, so yeah, so that, that, that's something I've been doing. What about you, Josh? Great. Uh, so I've got another game, uh, that has been on my, uh, two playlists for a couple months now. I picked this up in December, mm. uh, and had not had a chance to play it until this past week. And that is Honey Buzz by Elf Creek Games. 
so HoneyBuzz is a worker placement kind of um, engine building kind of <laughs> um, economic based game. Yeah. Uh, theming here minuscule but very cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, you play as bees who have discovered economics. Yep. Uh, particularly, you have decided to protect your hive from bears and other woodland critters. You are going to set up a market where the bears and woodland critters can come and buy your honey uh, from you uh, rather than having them destroying your hives. Um, so cute. Uh, fantastic i mean just adorable artwork Mm -hmm. i i love the artwork in this game it is absolutely phenomenal um really really well done nice bright colors very evocative of this cute woodland theme but what you are doing is on your turn you are going to take um a number of bees uh and and they call them beeples (laughs) um they are little wooden meeple bees bees, yep uh that you are going to take and you're going to assign them to uh a an action space and the action spaces that you're assigning them to uh don't really give you an action immediately instead what they do is they give you a tile Mm. um and there are six different types of tiles And then you are going to take one of those tiles and each tile consists of two hexagons. Uh, And you're going to come over to your little hot beehive that you're building and you're going to place those tiles. Now, there are some restrictions about how you place the tile. Uh, And so ultimately what you are going to do based off of those restrictions is you are going to complete a, a new Uh, hexagon in the center of all of your tiles that is empty Uh, and this is your comb that you are building your honeycomb Uh, and once you complete a full hex empty space you will then trigger all of the actions that surround that space Uh so all of the all of those tiles that you've been collecting and building out on your board, you're now going to take all of those as one big action. Uh, And so some of the actions that you're taking is you're um, making new bees, um, which is a clever little pun. You Mm -hmm. get new bees. Um, (laughs) I love uh, that. I love that. Fantastic. This game, Bruce, you are going to love all of the puns that are in (sighs) this game. Um, So you can get some new bees. Uh, you can um, go foraging for, um, I believe they call it um, nectar or pollen or something like that. Um, you can go foraging and that actually you can, so there's this little track that you are moving around on uh, where you actually can collect different types of tiles that will fit into that hole. Mm. Uh, now, there are some tile restrictions based off of how you can, what you can select and wh- how you place it into that hole. Um, but then, uh, uh, as a separate action, you can then pollinate that nectar and make honey. And you actually have these little g- 
gummy pieces that serve as your honey icons that you place onto your uh your your little honeycomb. They look so hard to resist not eating. Oh, they are they are super super squeezable oh, um, no. and fun. Don't um, eat them I if you're listening to this. <laughs> no. Um I don't think it would be fun to eat. Um yeah. they are hard enough that I don't think you would enjoy that process. <laughs> um so you collect your little honey pieces, you put them on your board, uh, and then you can go to market. And when you go to market, there are two things that you can do. You can either go to the actual, there's a little like market board, and you can select one type of honey that you have, and you can sell as many of those as you would like for the value uh of that type of honey on that market board at that time. Mm. Uh, and then you'll reduce the value by one. Uh, no matter how much you sell, you always reduce it by one. Um, there are also some special orders. Um, so maybe the bears very specifically want some rosemary honey. And they also want some uh, wildflower honey. And so you can take one of your rosemary and one of your wildflower and you get rid of both of those and you pick up this little special order card uh, that will be worth some points at the end of the game. Sure. Um, the nice thing about doing orders is that also depending on which stack, there are three stacks of order cards, depending on which one you do, you get another bonus action. Um, and then there are a couple other actions. One that lets you just take $5 or five coins from the bank um, and then there's one that is actually a wild action hmm. that you can duplicate another action. Uh, but those cost five coins to actually pick up. Okay. Um, the number of bees that you must assign is based on uh, how many, the lowest number of the last person that placed there. Hmm. So if somebody has already gone to that action with one of their bees, you now must go with two. The third person who wants to take that action must go with three and so on and so forth. Um, and whenever you're assigning your bees, you are making a beeline <laughs> for, for that action. Um, like I said, lots of cute little puns. Um, very, very fun little game. I personally absolutely adored this game. It was, um, again, the artwork was a home run for me as was the um, kind of weird little engine building that you were doing because you were like building up an engine and then you triggered it and you ran all of your actions, but mm -hmm. then you're also creating new little branches that you'll then go out and utilize. And so you're going to reuse some of your actions, but you're not going to reuse others. Um, just a really, really interesting little uh, mechanism. It, it does take a minute when you're looking at it to wrap your head around. I and it is definitely a, it is definitely a more complicated game than it looks on paper. I could see that. I could see that. But I, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great little economic game. Um, highly, highly recommend it. If you enjoy um, kind of Euro games that have kind of a nice little fun theme to them. I can't help but keep scrolling through all these gorgeous, gorgeous photos of this game. 
And there is a I, difference between like a deluxe version and a retail version, by the way. The yes. So the deluxe version was the Kickstarter version. Um, yeah. I have the retail version. I think it is perfectly fine, but you can purchase an upgrade pack. Okay. Um, Good to know. Because I want those beeples. Uh, the beeples you get. Oh, you do? It, uh, the beeples you get uh, base. Um, okay. the, the honey pieces you get base. Uh, I believe the upgrade pack gives you um, nicer coins. Uh, okay. It gives you um, nicer tiles and a couple other things. But, but the retail's great. The retail's, I, I think the retail is perfectly fine. Um, your tiles are cardboard. Your coins are cardboard. Um, but other than that, I I think the retail fine retail is fine. Okay. Um, I enjoyed it enough. I'm probably going to go end up going out and getting the upgrade pack because I, <laughs> I, like I, a I, lot. I really, I really enjoy this game. I think it's one that I'm going to keep around for a while. Um, again, it's, it's heavier than it appears, but it's definitely one that I think uh, a lot has a lot of staying power just because of how cute it is and mm-hmm. how nice the theming is. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't overstay its welcome. Um, I think we, we played through in about an hour um, hour and a half maybe uh, and that was with learning the game so i i think it's a good good weight it's a good time like in, in terms of the amount of time it takes to, mm-hmm. to play through a game um, so yeah i i highly recommend it definitely worth checking out that is honey buzz nice i can't wait um so for me uh full transparency on this next one I've only been able to do the tutorial because it's sold out worldwide. Um, But it is so, in my opinion, innovative that as soon as I tried it, and granted, I was looking at this game for like two, like a month and a half, and I was placing an order online, and I was like, I'm finally going to pick that up. And I was like, darn it. Everybody else figured out about it, and it's gone. And that is Micro Macro Crime City by Pegasus Spila. Um, So this game... Josh, did you ever play Where's Waldo? Play yes. Where's Waldo. Right. Um, so, like, actually do it where it's not somebody who just, like, took the pages and then edited him out. Because people do that, by the way, for getting it, like, a half-price books or a used bookstore. People like doing that with Where's Waldo books. So that's my little disclaimer there. But essentially, Micro Macro Crime City is kind of like a Where's Waldo. But the difference is, Josh, that Where's Waldo is a snapshot. One snapshot, Right. Mm-hmm. this begs the question, what about if you just took another picture three minutes later and put it on the same picture and then did that again and again and again and again? And what you have then is this whole isometric view, so kind of that like 45-degree angle down at a city, giant sheet of paper where you have you're able to like literally follow somebody follow different people throughout their day in this crime city now it lives up to the name um there's a whole bunch of crimes going on and so you can follow these different people around to see what happened to them during the day. And where's this person coming from? Where are they going? Um, Oh, they're going to the food cart. Okay, cool. And so what this is, um, it's, again, it's super innovative. It's essentially that where's Waldo, but if Waldo kept moving, but it's like that for every single character in the city. 
I cannot stress that enough, how many layers upon layers of design and intentionality went into this. And all it is is there's the box comes with 16 different cases that are usually about like 10 cards long. And the first one is like something happened to this person and it might give you a picture of that person. Um, and then you got to find them. And so besides the big sheet of paper and these little decks of cards, it also comes with a um, little magnifying glass, just like a little piece of plastic that has a sticker on it with the rule set. Um, and so you're going around the city. So my wife and I were going around the city and we found them. And it's like, okay, cool. Now it was a dead body. Um, and so it's like, okay, well, what happened? And so we were working backwards in time to see where that her person had been. And so what's really cool is if if this sound if this is like weird to wrap your head around or this sounds really cool, go, just search micro macro crime city and go to the actual website and you can play it. Um, you can play the tutorial case online. It's free. They want to because it's so new of an idea. They want you to experience it. And boy golly, um, it was fun. Um, it was kind of like that unlock experience again with my wife of like, this is so cool. Cause I did it just by myself and I was like, okay, I'm going to set up my computer later. And then I, I was like, honey, I want you to just try this. And she's like, Ooh, this is fun. And she just kept going. And so there's two options you can do. One is once you find the thing, we could then look at the next card and say, okay. And it gives you a hint towards where, what you might be looking for kind of walks you through the case. Or the other option is you get that first clue and then you try and figure out what happened. So it's super detective. You don't have any information and you're trying to go out and gather more information by picking up on clues and things like that of literally watching this person and putting the pieces together. And then when you feel like you've solved the thing, may it be a murder, may it be some other things, then you turn to the last card of the deck and you find out if you got it right. Um, So that's the advanced mode. What do you think about this, Josh? So I am very bummed that this is uh, not available right now. Though yeah, I it's did sold out right now. I did. If this tells you anything, I, I just went and set a signed up for the notify me when it's back in stock. I have the same um, alert. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a game that, that similarly I I I heard about and I was like, that's a really cool concept. Um, didn't think that it would sell out. I, I, I had um, 100% thought that it would be something that would be available. Um, but here we are. Um, I think it's a great idea. I think it's fantastic. I think it's a great little, um, if nothing else, just I, I love that this is something that you can do as a solo experience, mm-hmm. but you can have just as much fun doing it with any number of people. Right. I mean, um, you're, you're all just kind of trying to go and figure, figure out this, solve this crime, which I think is a really cool way of doing it. Um, so yeah, I, I really, really look forward to, to giving this a shot. I did not realize that there was a demo, uh, available online. So probably going to be trying to convince my wife to, uh, sit down and, and try this out with me, um, sometime here in the near future. So. I just put the link in your in in the show notes for you. I will. Uh, I will definitely be going to that. So, <laughs> so Bruce, I, let me ask. Yeah. I guess um, as you're kind of going through this city, how? I, I guess my my concern is how 
how much variation is there between the like I I'm sure there's a ton of variation because everything is moving around, right? Yeah. Um it's not like you're just looking for one person who's moving around in this city. But I guess like my understanding is it's what it's supposed to be like time 10 minute time jumps is that is that ish an, yeah ish yeah so like how much do things change and how much variance is there um from one scene to the next um well it wants you to be able to follow the rabbit trail right um mm-hmm. and so with that if it's a person walking and they're walking a direction you were able to kind of tell, okay, they probably kept walking that direction or it took a picture of them as they were turning and then faces a new direction. So you can kind of follow it. Um, It's not like it's like, oh, they just pop up over here. Oh, they just pop up over here. No, there's actually like a logical pathway um, to it. And granted, there's different levels of difficulty. There's like a five-star rating system. And so the first, the test case um, that's online is uh, a one-star, which makes sense. It's a tutorial. Um, Mm -hmm. But if you're curious about scale of this thing, um, it's 75 centimeters for the big map, 75 centimeters by 110 centimeters, which is two and a half feet by like three feet? No, like four feet or something Mm -hmm. like that. Um, And you need the, I think you would need the magnifying glass because, like, we were zooming in. So, the amount of stuff that's in a square inch is a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, does that answer your question, though, about like the snapshots? Yeah, a little bit. I, I guess, like, when you're, when you say, like, they're, and yeah, like, you're, you're going to want to be able to follow those clues and they're not like randomly jumping across the board. I guess my question really is more so, like, is it, they moved a block like right They're They're walking. Yeah. It's about a block. I'd say it's about a block. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So like you can kind of put it together. It's not, at least it sounds like the one star wasn't overly complicated though. I could definitely see where it would get quite complicated. No, but they definitely um, traversed like six blocks at least. Yeah. And we're like in that block, some of the blocks multiple times. Mm-hmm. And so you had to follow the right path. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's kind of cool the yeah. way they do it. Um, so yeah, Micro Macro Crime City. Again, the link for the website of um, of the company is in the show notes. If you want to just click and do that, you can do it on your phone and you can just kind of zoom in a little bit or your computer later if you want to pull up the show notes or just Google Micro Macro Crime City. I cannot wait for that to come in. It sounds like both Josh and I are going to pick that up uh, once it is in stock and it's only like 20 bucks, um, which is pretty great. And um, full warning, though, I have heard that some of the tropes later might be some adult theme sometimes, like honestly, like um, stuff you'd see on like crime dramas. And so if that is uh, a concern of yours, then I would just be aware of that. It, it's not too graphic, but it's just like you might have to explain some tropes if you're playing it with younger individuals. So I might recommend not to with this version. Um, yeah. Excellent. I I, uh, I am hopeful that yeah, fingers crossed. This is not the uh, this is not the end of this series. It definitely sounds um, yeah fun, interesting, and and it sounds like a a system that can easily be replicated yep. into yep a million variants. Yep, so. and uh, I think it's on the boat right now, and I think it's supposed to be back in stock this month in April. So yeah, so you're good. Fantastic. So Josh, Fantastic. Uh, what's one more you got? 
Sure. One more. I re we'll we'll keep it with the ones that I really enjoyed. And okay. Bruce, I'm going to say something I did not think I would ever say. Oh. I may have found a seven wonders killer for me. Oh. At seven so, players? Or at a different what player count? Uh so I played That's this. That's a fair question. A, that is a fair question. <laughs> I played this at a three-player count, okay. uh, just um, sitting around with with a couple of fo- uh, friends late one night. But this does play up to five. Okay. Um, I would say probably its sweet spot is at four. Okay. So before you say what it is, mm-hmm. in what way do you think it might kill for you, at least at those player counts, seven wonders? Is it is it theme? Is it, it is it but without going into it, because then we're going to go into it. Sure. Uh, I think what it is, is the deck that you are working. So it is drafting, right? That's the big okay. thing. Okay. So um, they both have that. So it is, it, it plays very similar to seven wonders in a lot of ways. You are drafting cards. Uh, those cards are going to give you uh, resources, and then you're using those resources to build the cards that you're drafting. Okay, so literally the same kind of setup and the same kind of experience. So without further ado, Josh, what is it? So this game is It's a Wonderful World. Um, I believe in the U.S. the publisher is Lucky Duck Games. The the publisher is actually La Botte de Joux. Uh, which is a French uh, publisher. So I'm, I, I believe it's Lucky Duck that that has distributed this I in the U.S. So. Yeah. And in it's a wonderful world. As I mentioned, you are card drafting. Um, you are each round going to get a hand of. I believe you get a hand of seven cards, uh, and you are going to be uh, drafting those around the table, um, and. As you draft them, just like in Seven Wonders, you immediately reveal them. Like every person selects one card, they put it face down, they pass the rest of their hand, and then you all flip that card face up and reveal it. Um, And then continue around the board. Now, when you flip them up, you are putting them into uh, your, I can't remember what they call it, but it's kind of like a holding area for that round. Hmm. At the end of the round, what you are going to do is you can choose one of two things to do with those cards. You can move them into your uh, building area, which means they're under construction and you are going to be trying to build them. Or you can discard them for a certain number of different types of resource cubes. And there's green resource cubes, red, blue, white black resource cubes Hmm. um all of different like rarity and abilities and things like that um and so you can discard them to immediately gain those resource cubes to place them onto the things that you're putting in your building area Hmm. which will allow you to build them and then once they're built they will actually provide resources to well most cards will provide resources to you um, that if you can produce. And then 
add to the cards that are in your building area so you can build more buildings and be able to produce more resources to build more buildings. Really cool little engine building aspect. Some of them will give you just straight victory points. Um, and some of them will give you conditional victory points. Um, and so the reason why I think this is, I, I say this is a seven wonders builder uh, killer. Yeah. Seven wonders will still remain as the introductory. This is how you make a card drafting game, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm introducing people to new who are new to gaming, I'm going to play seven wonders with them. If I'm playing with gamers, I want to play. It's a wonderful world. Okay. Um, the reason why I love seven wonders, but seven wonders can at times feel a little solved. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, we play it It, all the time now. You're you're playing. We play it all the time. Um, we've been playing it all the time for, you know, years and you know, every card that's in that deck and you're going to see almost every card, every game, right? Mm -hmm. You are going to see most of the cards every time you play Seven Wonders. And it's a wonderful world. I mean, that deck is enormous. Yeah, it looks Um, like it. We played through maybe half of the deck um, whenever we played. As, so, so, A, I liked that the variety that you were seeing. I also like the strategic, the, the, the differences in strategy, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think in seven wonders, there are certain things that you just, you kind of need to do, right? Like you can't let one person collect all of the science. You also can't let one person collect all of the city to, or the so like, what the blue cards, whatever they are. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So the like, victory, just straight up victory point ones. Yeah. This. Yeah. Like you just you you have to block some of those off from people, um, which kind of forces your hand sometimes to to, to hate draft um, because uh-huh. you can't let somebody have this particular card um, or or something like that. Don't get me wrong. Seven Wonders is a phenomenal game. I, sure. I love. That. It's it's one of the reasons why I'm as much of a fan of gamers as I am. Like it was one of the first games that I fell in love with. It's a wonderful world, I think, just does a lot of the same things, just a little bit heavier, a little like not much heavier. Um, I'm looking on BGG. This is weighted at a 2.28, so relatively light. But I I just I really really enjoyed this. It was it was just a fun little game. It's a good length. It doesn't overstay its welcome. Um and yeah, it scratches that seven wonders itch without me feeling like I'm playing the same same exact strategy, the same ex- like I don't think I would ever have the same exact strategy because your end game cards are just going to look very different. Um, whereas in seven wonders, you can kind of predict what your strategy is going to be pretty early on. 
Yeah, especially when you get through that first age, right? And then it's yeah. like, okay, I'm kind of locked in here. Maybe the, the once you see your hand for age two, it's like, okay, this is what I'm doing because I'm going to take the yeah. best card in that hand or, um, and then pass everything else. Um, or maybe that second hand. Um, but yeah, yeah it sounds really cool, Josh. And I will say the, the interesting thing is like both kind of world themed, but I, I like how this one also has like the Bermuda triangle and like this battleship going under. Um, so <laughs> there's a whole bunch of cool art on this and some cool things. And it's, it definitely sounds like one I'd definitely be happy to try and experience with you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, the the artwork on it is um, good. It, it's it's very interesting. I I, I enjoyed the artwork um, quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the components were were pretty nice. They weren't anything out of this world or or extraordinary, but they were good. Um, but yeah, I mean, it like I said, it just it it feels so much like Seven Wonders, but it is with some twists and variances to it that that feels much nicer when you feel like you've just kind of played out seven wonders a little bit maybe yep and so that is uh it's a wonderful world um so thanks for that josh yeah. And so I'm really just excited for how much gaming and different things we've been able to get in um and so with that I have been able to get a game in, and this is kind of setting the tone for the future here because it's a game that I have played, but I cannot, cannot wait to randomly take out this game and play it with many other people. Um, And then I have another one for you because this one's going to be like two seconds. Um, And so this game is In in Vino Muerte um, by Button Shy Games. It's a game that is only 16 cards, um, and it comes in a nice little wallet that you can take everywhere with you. So Button Shy Games, if you're not familiar, like that's their thing. It's games that are like usually less than 20 cards in this fun little like business card holder. You just stick it in your pocket and then play a game with people. So uh, Tussie Mussy and um, Skulls of Sedlock, uh, Sedlick and some other games. But Invina Morte keeps getting sold out, and I was finally able to get my hands on a copy. And so what it is is uh, I played with four players, but you can play up to nine, so it's three to nine players. And if you are the uh, person who's going to, the dealer, you're going to mix up the cards, and on the back of all of them, it just has a wine glass. And then you fan out the cards in front of you, and then you will take a card from from the whole stack of 16, your choice, and it's either going to be one of the eight wine bottles or... It's going to be one of the eight poison bottles. It's very easy to tell which one's which. And essentially, you are serving your dinner guests, including yourself, a bottle or a glass, right? Um, And the kicker is no one, once the card is in front of them, can ever look at the card you gave them. And after the dealer has dealt to everybody, starting with the person to their left, that person will do one of two things. They will either drink it, flip it over. If it's wine, they stay in. If it's poison, they're out. (laughs) Or they will swap. And they will take their face-down card and take another person's face-down card and swap them. That's it. They don't flip it. They never look at it. 
The other person doesn't look at it, and the next person goes around. When it gets all the way around the group to the dealer, the dealer doesn't get to do anything. The dealer just says, okay, everybody who's left, we all drink. I'm going to toast. And everybody who's left flips their card over. Then those who are still alive play another quick round. So you play this game in about two minutes, depending, especially like the smaller groups. Um, but what's really, 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 really cool about this is what happens above the game at the player dynamic level of like, did you give me the poison or did you give me the wine or did you anticipate me swapping? Because you might have put everybody but one has poison or everyone has poison but one. They don't know that. Only you know that as the dealer. And so the meta and just like fun interactions of this were amazing. And I could think of nothing more than when it gets down to that two-player moment right there at the end, then Princess Bride of which cup has the poison. It this was so much fun to just play and just the social dynamics that came out of it were really, really cool that like, this is a game. If I'm going to just hang out with people, they're gamers, non-gamers, doesn't matter. This is going to be a fun experience just to like sass each other, have fun. You can teach it in all of 10 seconds and then you can play it and have fun while you're doing the other things at a pub or otherwise when we're able to do that. And, Josh, I know you have been trying to kind of track this one down. Now that you kind of heard more about it, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I'm i generally not a big fan of bluffing games usually, but this is one that I, I think will break that for me uh, a bit. Um, I Just because of how light it is and mm-hmm. how quick around is. The worst thing about a bluffing game is being out and then sitting around for 25 minutes while everybody else plays Right. A game, right? Um, I I think the idea behind this, where if you're out, you're gonna be sitting around for maybe like five minutes, yep. um, is is just great. It, it, I mean, it's a fantastic way to kind of design that. And yeah, I Button Shy Games is one that I discovered because of Tussie Mussy, mm-hmm. um, and I, I've spoken at length about how much I love Tussie Mussy. I, I just backed a new game from, from button shy recently um, called death Valley that I'm very much looking forward to. And I'm praying that Envino Morte will be available to add to that pledge uh, when the um, pledge manager goes live, because I, I love the idea of just having card game that is the size of my wallet mm-hmm. like i don't even have to it's have smaller a game than my bag. wallet yeah yeah i i don't even have to pack a game bag i can throw this in my back pocket and go to the go to the bar or you know my wife and i go camping or you know have some friends out and and, and hanging out like on a hiking trip going on a hike and like playing this at the top of a hike hiking trail there's just like the 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 opportunities to just play this anywhere Uh um at any time i think is is really what does it for me and yeah just having it be such a quick little game um to to play with that bluffing mechanism without it being so cumbersome Uh of of 
having to sit around and watch everybody else have fun, I think is, is great. So I'm looking, go ahead. I was going to say the cumbersome actually of the bluffing aspects in games that Mm -hmm. is besides the whole, like the player elimination stuff, which being for super short, um, I just want to lean in on the, what actually I, one of the things I like about that bluffing mechanism in this, Mm -hmm. I stink at, at like hidden role games. Like mm-hmm. it, it's not completely my jam. However, but that's because it puts a lot of pressure on, on the player to do that right. Right. Um, and so if you get that and you're learning a game, that can be really hard if it's a hidden role game. The thing I like about this, there's no pressure because no one knows what the heck they have in front of them, except one person that isn't necessarily part of the conversation because you might have been swapping all the things around. Um, mm-hmm. And so that the easing of that pressure, I think, is what helps make this shine and gives it that short playtime. Um, those two things combined, I just think is beautiful um, and elegant. Um, so, yeah, so I'm just excited about it. Absolutely. I, I look forward to it. I'm hoping that I can get, get a copy because, like I said, I, I love just throwing a, a, a couple button shy games in the car and just having them there. And mm-hmm. then if if we go to a bar to meet up with some friends to have some drinks, I think this is the perfect game to bust out um, sitting at the bar with, with some friends and just kind of y'all want to play a little game. Um, <laughs> so uh, you can actually make your toasts um, and then have a drink while you uh, flip your cards and reveal. I think this, this has a lot of potential for some really, really fun uh, play. Yeah. And so, like I said, that's in Vino Morte by button shy. You can go on and pre-order it, or hopefully if you did the Kickstarter stuff, it's hopefully going to pop up. Um, but it's only like 10, 12 bucks um, to, which is nice. I pre-ordered it, so it took like two months for me to get it. But they custom do all the print runs. Um, and they put all the stuff together, which is nice. So I said that was going to be quick. And I think time-wise, I think it was four minutes. So I apologize that wasn't two. Um, <laughs> but, but there's two of us talking, so two minutes apiece. There you go. Ha. Um, so I, the, the other game that I've gotten to play recently is getting some buzz online because it just really went into um, past beta in board game arena and that's where i played this and that is uh and i'm gonna butcher this name i know i am nidavalier um it's n-i-d-a-v-e-l-l-i-r by pegasus spila um this is an interesting little game in which you are you're wanting to assemble a little army of dwarfs and how you're going to do that is you're going to Go to bars and pay them. Um, but what's interesting about this is it's always the same three bars every round. And it's, and it's um, just a couple rounds long of a game. It's like eight rounds long. And so what you're doing is um, you have money. You have a zero coin. You have a two, three, four, five. And you're going to place one of those coins down, face down, on each of the bars and each bar has the number of dwarves in it equal to the number of players. So we were playing three players, so there's three dwarves in each bar every round. And whoever plays the highest-powered coin is going to get to choose first because, hey, they got they got the big bucks. Um, and they'll get to pick their dwarf. Now they can choose between uh, an, an orange one, a red one, a purple one, or a green one, or a blue one. Um, and they've each got their own little shtick. Um, so, like, the, the orange ones, uh, well, the easiest ones, like the red ones, they are equal to um, their point value on them. 
Plus, if you have the most red dwarfs, you're going to also add in whatever your highest money is. And I'll get to that in a second. Um, so at the start of the game, that'd be plus five because it's your highest coin. Um, the uh, green ones and the purple ones are kind of similar. Uh, the green ones, the first one's worth one. The next one's worth one plus two. And, then, and the one after that is, one, uh, is plus three on top of that, then plus four, yada, yada. So it just adds one. Um, and, but it's not worth four. It's plus whatever from the other ones. So it's got a nice little scale. And then the purple ones are uh, exponential. So if you have two of them, it's two squared or three cubed, um, four squared. You know what I mean? So it's just like it keeps growing. Uh, it's always squared. I'm sorry. It's always squared. Um, and then the orange ones um, are going to be ones where it's the number of them you have times the number of point values across all of them. Okay, so like some, they might be all worth like one if you have five of them. So that's one times five uh, or five times five um, because they're each worth one. So it'd be 25 points. What's fascinating about this, Josh, is two things. One, if you're tied for money at a bar with somebody else because you all have the same money to start the game, then there's this priority marker that kind of rotates around. And if you luck out to have the higher one, then you'll go first that round, but it'll swap. So the other person has will break a tie against you in the future, which is nice. Balances out. But the crazy thing is, if you play the zero coin, you're going last in that bar because you had nothing to offer. But I remember I said you have five different sets of money, zero, two, three, four, five, and there's only three bars. Hmm. The value of the other two coins you didn't spend are going to be added together So let's say you had a five and you're two left. So you have seven. And there's this little bank of higher value coins. And you'll replace the highest value one that you just left in your hand, so the five, and replace it with a seven. Mm. Yeah. And so you're trying to get those kind of close together so you're not losing more victory points. You're able to hold on to the higher valued ones. Um, And so what's really cool there, the money you have is just worth victory points at the end of the game too. Um, Plus, if you have all the red ones, then you are going to get that. But what's interesting too, so a lot of times in these games, Josh, you might have experienced this. I'm curious if you lean into it with me. Um, A lot of times when you have this kind of tableau engine building of like victory points on victory points for like a specific type, like the green ones or the orange ones like I was talking about, you might be inclined to like dig into one, right? And just like, oh, my strategy is I'm all orange this game, right? If they come up. Sure. Yeah. But, and I've seen that happen a lot. And this game is kind of built in a thing that works around that by if you have one of each of them, that turn, when you get that one of each, you get to get a special person, a hero. And it's this whole banquet of cards that some of the, they all have different powers. They are really cool. There's like, 20 of them um and there's like an intro set if you only want to work with like basic heroes but there's the whole thing is like 20 of them and when they're when each one of them's gone they're gone and those are going to be like super cool powers or points like you always win ties or hey it's just 20 straight points or this one's also going to give values for this thing it's just kind of really cool powers um and so immediately although you all started exactly the same you're trying to balance having this wide tableau instead of deep on just one strategy so you can get the heroes, but you're also diverging in all these other ways too. Um, 
And so I've been playing this on Board Game Arena, and it's kind of fast on there because all it is is put the money down at the bars and pick a dwarf. Um, but the, the depth of the choices you make there is really, really cool. And I know there's like layers on layers there that I just explained, so I'm kind of curious what's mulling around for you, Josh. Yeah, I, I like this idea of kind of mechanically forcing you to spread because right i mean it's the seven wonders issue right it's like one like you are encouraged to go real heavy into one area all science Um, (laughs) yeah um and so i i like this idea that you get a benefit for going wide and i think that is a really really smart mechanism um so just so I, I'm picturing this correct, yeah. are you, is everyone placing their coins face down in each of those bars and then flipping them face up? Or like, how does that bidding mechanism, is like, is it a blind bid? It's blind. Just, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm going to have to, I, I have my, my, group that that plays uh on board game arena tomorrow night so i'm gonna have to try and convince them to give this one a shot because this sounds uh this sounds interesting it sounds uh definitely like something that our group would be inclined to uh try out and, and give a shot i i i guess yeah so bruce what i'm what i'm getting waves of here as you're talking about it and as i'm looking at some of these pictures is libertalia and i can't remember if i've you ever played, played libertalia Liber- several times yes and and is that a fair comparison would you say no 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 and i say no because libertalia you have that whole deck right and you're all mm-hmm. getting the same new people added and you're hanging on to one right for your mm-hmm. crew of your pirate crew this is Every game, it's going to be the same hero tableau. And it's these very, very basic. It's one of the five types or six types of dwarfs. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's not each of them having their own power and stuff. And which I think Libertalia, every time the tableau is represented, I'm like, okay, I have to grok my head around how all of these interplay again and then again. And then how does this work with the night and day phase? This is mm-hmm. once I played around, I'm like, Oh, I've got this game. Um, and it was super easy to approach. And I like the fact of the different areas of layers, which in Libertalia, I feel like there's only like, they all work towards the same kind of thing. It's either you're going to be yeah. getting the jewels first or you're not right. Um, or you're going to be purging your um, like your discard area or your tableau or not. And this one was kind of cool. I, it, it was gratifying. And, oh, I'm getting all these points. And I'm getting all these points. Point scoring is high. Like I had over 200-something points. Um, and I lost by two points to Jeff. Um, it was super close. But it was a lot of fun. Yeah, this sounds great. I, I have a lot. Um, the whole situation over there at board game arena um has has really changed the game i think um with the betas that are out right now um so this is this is definitely what i'm gonna have to give a shot to yeah and so that is again i'm gonna mispronounce this name nadavalier um 
they just kind of like to play on some of the words and stuff. They're, the dwarfs are very interesting, all black and white. But I recommend checking it out by Pegasus Spila. I will say I am hesitant to play this game in person. I mm. think the upkeep on it of maintaining the different points and being able to track that and be able to like highlight over different heroes and remind myself because there's like 20 of them, especially as you're starting to learn or to manage the money. Um, I kind of like that a lot more um, online than I think it would in person, but I think it's really good for online. So yeah, awesome. that's that. Um, Josh, do you have kind of yeah. anything to close us out? No, I, I really hope that that just hearing about some of these games, I mean, we've not had an episode like this in a while, which is why I wanted to to do it, is I, I had a chance to play a couple really great games that I wanted to talk about and wanted to kind of share with listeners. I highly recommend any of these games that we talked about. I, I think that they're all excellent, and I'm looking forward to trying some of the games that you brought up here, Bruce. Um, so... I, I hope that this is enjoyable content for everyone. I am sure we will get back to some of our more specific in-depth dives and some of those types of things. I know that we still really need to do our sleeping gods episode here. Yes, we do. Um, but, uh, and I have lots of thoughts on that. Um, we are nearing the end of our first uh, playthrough. So we had to take a little bit of a break there, but we're getting back into it and we're making some progress. But I really, I love these these kind of short topic let's kind of talk about these games i hope this is helpful um and i i hope that you maybe took away some games that you're you're interested in checking out so Mm -hmm. thank you all for listening um and yeah and so anything else yeah so i also am very excited for that deep dive we're going to be doing i'm also just very excited and and looking forward to playing games in person this weekend i like it's going to be interesting. I haven't gotten to play games with these people in person for over a year. Um, so I'm very excited about this. And I'm also very thankful that we're getting to, um, and it's kind of reminding me and hopefully reminding all of us of this. This is a really great community and I'm thankful we're getting able to be back in that community and let's have that come back strong and let's have that come back safely. Um, and so I encourage you as it becomes safe to do so. And, um, as people are getting vaccinated in your group and then start making some of these changes. But again, it's up to your area and your situation, but I am just so thankful that this is going to be happening. Um, and honestly, I am going to try and work past this. I'm just noticed about myself. I'm going to try and work past that elation that I'm going to get off of whatever games we happen to be playing in person and not construed that with the game itself. Um, Cause I know I'm just going to be so excited for those game experiences, but hopefully you enjoyed this. Um, all these games are so much fun and um, I hope that you are doing well and that you're going to get to get some games in, in person soon. So make sure to go on and vote for any game in, that came out in 2020 or podcast um, or tabletop implementation online that you have enjoyed or appreciated over this past year um, and toss them a nomination over for the BGG Golden Geek Awards um, because that is just really kind way to just say thank you because they were still putting out all this stuff and working hard in all of this time. And with all of those things, if you want to learn more about us, you can hop on over to our Facebook, Instagram, or support us over on our Patreon, patreon.com slash boardgameimpact. And so until next time, go make your positive impact on the world.